questions that we often ask um, when we come to the, the subject of, of Christianity. Uh, we've done a number of questions in the last few weeks, and today's question is this. The question is, is Jesus the only way to heaven? Perhaps that's something that you've asked yourself. Perhaps that's something you've been asked recently. Is Jesus the only way to heaven? Steve's going to be opening up that topic by looking into the Bible. And we've got a few readings. I'm just going to encourage you to turn to the first reading only and not the others because um, otherwise we, we've got a single verse in most cases, four single verses. Um, and uh, so in order to save you skipping around, the one main verse is the first one that Steve's going to be referring to a lot. And that is John chapter 14, verse 6. And that's on page... 761. Okay, page 761. So I'm going to hold the microphone and these, these wonderful helpers are going to read these verses. So if you'd just like to turn to this one, and then after that we're going to give you three other readings from the Bible, but not ask you necessarily to turn them up. If you just listen really, really carefully to the other three after as well, okay? So John chapter 14 and verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Thank you, Emily. Do you want to go and take your seat again? Okay, so if you want to keep that open on your laps, but now can you just listen in really carefully to the other verses from the Bible, okay? Um, it's from Acts chapter 4 verse 12 and it's on page 770. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Can you just introduce the reading? Um, 1 John 5 verse 11 to 12. And this is the testimony God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son he who has the son has life he who does not have the son of God does not have life and uh, Olivia's got a difficult reading with a difficult word in it which is the word mediator and we were talking about what this word means before and can you remember can you tell us what the word mediator means a mediator is a person that stands in between two people somebody who stands in the middle somebody who stands in between two things or two people thanks Do you want to tell us where the, can you introduce the reading to us 1 Timothy 2 5 for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Okay, thank you. So we'll be referring to those verses as Stephen packs that question. Is Jesus the only way to heaven? Cool, good morning. Please take a seat. Now, at the end of last week, I said, anybody got any questions? And it was like one of those scenes in the Wild West with tumbleweeds. And I wondered whether that was, A, because I'd explained everything so clearly you were just sitting there going, whoa. Or whether it was because you phased out after about the second sentence. Or whether it was because I hadn't warned you, you might better like think about 
questions. So uh, if, you, if you think of something, um, some of you take notes, some of you take mental notes, that's fine. If you think of something as we're going through, say, oh, that's quite important, but what about this? Uh, it might get answered through the rest of the way, but if it, and if it doesn't, at the end, put up your grubby little paw, and if I'm feeling charitable, I'll answer your question. Does that work? Now, I'm really excited about this one. This is a massive one. It goes something like this. Is Jesus really the only way to heaven? That's a really important question, isn't it? Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, we invite you here today to help us. We're amazed at the privilege that we get to do that. You are the sovereign Lord. There is no God like you. You rule supreme. Everything is yours. Everything is made by you and for you. And yet you are concerned with us. You have not vaporized us, though we deserve it. You have extended patience and grace to a world that disregards you and treats you as nothing. We praise you for your patience. But more than that, Lord, you've spoken to us in love. We thank you for your word, the Bible, that tells us what you're like, how we can know you, and how we can have hope of heaven. Lord, as we think through this topic, would you be with us? Help us not simply to learn stuff that fits in between our ears, but would you stir us and move us to land where you want us to land? For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Brilliant. Now, it's an outrageous claim, isn't it? Jesus really is the only way to spiritual reality, to know God and to find heaven. It's, I almost feel bad standing up in front of people and saying it. Now, you'll be really glad to know that I've been a person who naturally has a bent to be much more worried about being correct than politically correct. Because this isn't politically correct, is it? But listen, let's have sympathy to say that maybe if you've heard this claim for the first time today, or if you're having conversations with people, or if you're in the classroom and you get somebody turning to you and you're having this discussion in an RE lesson going, Wow, you think that Jesus is the... Okay, initial hearing, it can sound wrong on so many levels, can't it? Maybe it sounds wrong in this way. Maybe it just sounds like you're being arrogant. Hold on, I know people of other faiths or of no faith whatsoever, and they're just a nicer person than you. It sounds to me as if you're saying that, um, that, that you Christians think you're better than everybody else and that, and that your guy is the guy. and that you, That's really arrogant. Anybody ever heard that? Maybe. What about this one? What about this one? What about this one? Restrictive. Hold on. Life is about writing your own story, fulfilling your own potential, being able to make the most of the the 70 or 80 years I'm going to get if I'm lucky, and you're now telling me that that's going to be restricted and I've got to have Jesus. I mean, it's my life, isn't it? Anybody heard that one? How about, Steve, that's dangerous. Don't say it so loud. In fact, I've got to be very careful what I say when I go uh, in about three or four weeks' time to Liverpool University. I'm their key speaker at their Christian Union's events week. And the Christian Union leaders have had to come to me and say, be very careful, Steve, what you say. Because when people hear you say things like that, they think it's dangerous. I mean, it's that kind of thing, that's kind of sort of exclusivism Isn't that what makes people fly planes into the side of buildings and all sorts of stuff? I mean, you're a fundamentalist. You're going to start sort of hurting people and hurting people's feelings. It's it's dangerous and potentially violent. You can't say that, Steve. Anybody ever heard that? What about 
Well, it's flat out unfair. What about all those other people who live in the world that are out, that are out somewhere in Africa and Bongo Bongo land and they, that they've never heard the name of Jesus? Are you telling me that God's going to judge them and not let them into heaven? What did they ever do? It's not fair. Ever heard that one? So how long you got this morning, peeps? <laughs> okay. Is Jesus really the only way to heaven? You Christians, you're all the same. No compassion. You're arrogant. You're restrictive. You're dangerous. And you're intolerant. I ain't listening to another thing about Jesus. Now, the first thing I want to say in response to this is, don't shoot the messenger, okay? I'm not those things. Jesus said it, not me, okay? Take it up with him. He stood in front of a large crowd of people, well, his disciples there and others listening on, and said, I am the way, the truth, the life, no one comes to the Father but by me. So can I tell you that first and foremost, your problem isn't with me or with Christians, it's with Jesus. Take it up with him, will you? And of course we had some other Bible verses that show that the whole of the New Testament is absolutely determined that if you want to connect with spiritual reality, that you want to know salvation, if you want to know who you really are, the root, the only way, is through Jesus Christ. He made that claim. You need to decide whether it's a credible and reasonable claim. Have we got reasons to doubt it? Now, having said that, what I want to do is I want to help all of us. I want to give you three, if you like, key Things or three, three, three factors that need to be addressed if it is we're going to be able to land in that place. So the three things are, are, are very... Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to bringing them to you, but I just want to say, to, first and foremost, from a personal point of view, Jesus being the only way is possibly the most important bit of information on planet Earth today. There's all kinds of things that the news is reporting this week. But if this is true, there is nothing more important for people to know. Can I tell you, when I heard this, and when I wrestled it through, and when I worked it through, it changed my life forever. Can I tell you, every day, it's, it's, it's the reason why I'm not still a school teacher. I just felt such a terrible burden for this being the truth, that the reason that I packed up, moved to speak, and spend my life talking to people about Jesus is because of this truth. Because I really do believe that Jesus is the only way. And if you believe it too, it will alter radically your choices in every domain of your life. I really think it's wonderful that Jesus is the only way. So here are these big three things. Do you want to bung them all up? Number one. First thing we need to get is that all truth claims are exclusive. The second thing we need to get is that all religions are not the same. And the third thing we need to get is Jesus is exclusive but open to all. That doesn't seem to make sense, does it? So you need to hang on and wait till we get to point three. So first thing then, all truth claims are exclusive. What I mean by exclusive is they say, we've got it right. So if you open up your Quran and you read about what Muhammad says, Muhammad says, uh, there is one God, Allah is his name. And if you want to be able to get to heaven, you need to follow the five pillars as faithfully as you can. And if you don't, you're stuffed. 
Okay? So, Muhammad's exclusive. Jewish faith as well. We could go back and track through the Old Testament where they've missed out the, the, the news of who Jesus is, not trusted him, and they're exclusive. Catholicism, which is almost a, a distinct religion in and of itself, it's quite exclusive to say that if you do not follow the way of the Catholic Church and, and, uh, uh, and in, engage uh, in the uh, sacraments in the right way and do your good deeds, having da- daughters at a Catholic school who keep on telling me that, that they're told in RE lessons that the way that you get to heaven is do good deeds, do good deeds, do, do good deeds and do good deeds. And if you don't, you're stuffed. That's an exclusive point of view. What about Hindus? Hindus are a little bit like your Scientologists in this, in that they say, um, well, whatever your system and way of doing it, if it works for you, then you can do it as long as you bring it under the banner of Hinduism. Otherwise, you're stuffed. Okay? Um, what about the person out there who simply says, um, well, I just say, you're all sortly, sort of wonky and there's no truth. They're called a pluralist. They're saying we can't actually know and anybody who says that they've got the truth is wrong. What have they just done? (laughs) Excluded a whole stack of people who say they have got the truth. All truth claims are exclusive. So somebody walks up to you and say, say, looks you in the eye and goes, there is no truth. What should you say to them? Just say, is that true? And they'll go, yeah, Darn. <laughs> All truth claims are exclusive and push people out. All truth claims, in some sense, are a little bit, they don't have to be arrogant, but they, they, they come from a point of view of saying, I am able to see things that you cannot. And some of those truth claims come from a point of just pride of saying, I just see it more clearly. Others claim that they've got more evidence than others all to some degree are a little bit arrogant. So listen, anybody who makes judgments, all of us do it. We all claim to see, we all claim to know, and even people who say, well, you can't know, are actually making a claim and claiming to know. Do you understand that? So whether you're an atheist, whether you're a Muslim, whether you're a Christian, we're all doing it. The big question is, is not um, whether we should do it or not. It's, it's, It's who's right. Is there a truth? Can we know for sure? So let me give you this example, and I love this. Some of you have heard this before. Um, It's an old Indian parable about faith systems. It goes like this. There were three blind men who were asked to to describe an elephant. Okay? Blind, can't see a thing. Uh, Each one walked up to the elephant, and they touched it, but they touched it in different parts. The one who touched the body of the elephant said... An elephant is like a wall. And you could understand why they'd say that. Okay? The one who touched the trunk said, No, no, the elephant is like a snake. And the one who touched the tusk said, No, no, the elephant is like a spear. And of course, the moral of the story is clear that no one blind had the whole picture so that they should, be, uh, they should all be open to what each other could see or felt of the picture. Does that make sense? Each of them was right in what they saw, or didn't see because they were blind, what they touched, but each of them was wrong to argue that they saw the whole thing. And so it goes in the same way that religions have all got a piece of the truth. And if we just all listen in, maybe we'll get a bit more of the picture. 
What do you make of that? Sounds really convincing, doesn't it? And you're like, oh yeah, maybe that. Ooh, I want to be really careful about saying I can see the whole thing. Um, Because it could be that somebody's just seen something a bit different. So I suppose the argument is we should all be open to other religions and other truth claims because only then will we get the actual truth. There was a guy called Leslie Newbigin. He was a missionary to India and he said in his book that he wrote, he wrote a book called The Pluralist Society, and he said he's heard that parable so many times he finally realised that in order to tell the story you had to be claiming you could see the whole elephant and others couldn't. You were being exclusive. The only way to claim that each blind man only saw a part of the elephants was if you were not blind and could see the whole thing, right? Do you get that? So somebody who walks up to you and says, your religion only sees bits of it, they're claiming to have greater knowledge, be more wise, to see the whole picture. They're arrogant! They claim to know better than you. All truth claims are in some way or another exclusive and claim. The question is, is are they right or not? Are you claiming to be able to do the very thing you are telling everybody else they could not do? And quite often when your friends sort of kick back and say you're being arrogant in that, you're actually saying, well, it sounds to me as if you think you know better than me. Tell me why. Let's have a dialogue. Let's engage in conversation about it. So to be outraged by the claim that Jesus is the only way is just as exclusive because he rejects, uh, because it rejects my view that there is an exclusive way. There are people who are always going to be excluded. Now, people, those of us who are believers, we feel very exclusive, excluded nowadays, don't we? But when we say we think there's only one way, no. You can't say that anywhere. Guess who's being excluded? Us. We're not being included at all. So Christians point people to Jesus. And what we do is we say, take it up with him as to whether or not he is who he says he is and can do what he says he can do. He is the exclusive claim. He claims exclusivity. And the way that he backs this up in the Bible is by doing just a small little thing. It's called uh, being risen up from the dead. Rising from the grave. So he rose. He told us the deal. And so that means he's credible. And that's why Christians believe Jesus is the only way. People denied this about him. The Jewish people did. They killed him. Then what did he do to show them that he was right? Came back from the dead. Um, I think I'll take his word for it. Um, Yeah, I think I'll go with him. So, here we are. Is Jesus really the only way to heaven? First thing we need to understand is that all truth claims are exclusive, but you just need to decide whether yours is more more in line with reality and has got more evidence. Is it true? Second thing that we need to sort of unpack and be clear on is that all religions are not actually the same. Uh, Has anybody heard it this way? Uh, It's put like this. Um, God is at the top of the mountain. And there are many pathways up that mountain. And they all lead to the same place. Ever heard that one? 
Well, if you think that, you've clearly not been out on a hill walk with Tommy McMahon. But anyway, that's another, that's, that, that, that's, that's another point. Okay, we'll go with that another day. Okay. So there's this idea that there are all these spiritual paths and they all, they're, they're taking some place and it doesn't matter which one you go up because all of them are going to get to the top of the mountain. Pick the one that is best for you. After all, all religions really, it's about doing good, being the brotherhood of, 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 uh, uh, of mankind, uh, that if there is a God, whether whether God is in the world, outside of the world, um, they're, they're benevolent and good, and you, you've got to sort of, uh, they, they want to smile on us. Um, the, the problem with that, though, um, is that not all religions are the same. In fact, they're, they're, they're very, very different. Okay? Uh, they claim very, very different things. They may be superficially have similarities, but right at the heart of them, they are totally different. And the place mainly where they're different is where they, what they say the biggest problem in the world is. See, Christian, Christians are very, very clear on what they think the biggest problem in the world is. So whereas your sort of secular humanists will say that the biggest problem in the world is that people um, uh, need every opportunity to thrive and to fulfill their potential and to do good one to another, and we get to write what that story is, and if we can overcome that and work together and, and remove um, differences and, and, and foster diversity, we will thrive and pass on our genes to the next generation. Um, Christians say there's a bigger problem. Christians say that the biggest problem in the world is the problem of the human heart. The problem of human sin and rejection of a living God. That we've lived in rebellion against our creator. That we were made to know God, walk with him, enjoy him, glorify him forever. But our decision to crack out on our own has broken absolutely everything and left us under a sentence of death. That although we may be living, we're spiritually uh, disconnected from God and we're facing a day when he's going to call us to account. That is our biggest problem. And therein is why, where Christianity stands apart from other religions. You see, other religions will try to provide you with a strategy to deal with your wrong. But where does it center? It centers on what you do. So you read a certain book, you say a certain prayer, you go on a certain pilgrimage, you wear certain clothes, you follow certain strict patterns. You can argue that that is even the case for how to thrive in a, in a, a religionless world, a sort of atheistic, agnostic, secular humanism. You have to read the right books, do the right things, follow the right career paths, um, have the right strategies with your kids so that you can in some sense reach some sort of heaven here on this earth. And the difference here is that Jesus comes along and says, you need an altogether different solution. What you need is somebody who can deal with your sin problem and take the judgment that is standing against you. Jesus came because he says, not you've got to fix the problem, you can't. You need somebody to come and fix the problem for you. So it does matter who you follow. Jesus is utterly unique. He is not like other religious leaders. Other religious leaders say, follow me and I'll lead you to truth. What does Jesus say? I am the truth. I'm ultimate reality. Other religious leaders or secular leaders will say, follow me to whatever you view salvation to be. Jesus comes along and says, I am salvation. I am eternal life. You're stuffed without me. 
Other religious say, uh, leaders follow me, say, follow me to enlightenment, to understanding, to a grasp of who you are and how to make sense of the universe. Jesus says, I am the light. It's all about me. Come to me. Jesus is utterly unique. Can you see the difference? So other ways of doing life say, work hard, strive, achieve, earn, pray. Um, read this book, go on this, um, go on this pilgrimage, do this thing, and it will open a door to you, to God. Jesus says, I'm the door. Just come to me. Just come to me. See, the Bible is teaching the very opposite. It's not that we reach out to God. It is that God in Jesus Christ has reached out to us. We cannot earn it. We don't deserve it. We are guilty. Now, that's consistent with our experience, isn't it? It's utterly consistent with our experience. Do you know what this gospel means? It means that no person can ever proudly distinguish themselves and praise themselves. You see, this, is, this answers that threat that you're going to be dangerous. You see, other religious systems and thought systems, it's all about what you bring to the deal. Therefore, you're always comparing yourself with others. You have to create insiders and outsiders so that you can feel better and feel like you're moving forward and that you've met all the demands. It's the very opposite. The very opposite in the Christian gospel. The gospel doesn't allow you to separate the good and the bad. It says all people are bad. All people are stuffed. Even the ones that we think are good are sinful people in desperate needs of God's grace. So you see here, here's how religion usually works. Religion says, here's the standards, meet it. If you live in a certain way, fulfill the commandments, you will get through and get connection to God. He will be, he will approve you. You'll find heaven. So the good people are in and the bad people are out. Jesus comes along and says, I found a way that good people who don't exist and bad people who are everywhere can have a way. It's through me. It's through what I've done. It's through what I've achieved. And so Christians, if they believe this, don't care what they say about themselves, if they really live this and believe this, they will never be looking down their nose on other people. Christians are at best beggars who found bread, showing other beggars where they too can find it. Because all religions are not the same. So there's something else I wanted to say about this. Oh yeah. And if they were, uh, if that idea that all religions are the same is true, do you realise what that makes God out to be? It means that he's schizophrenic. Could you imagine the heavenly Lord of the universe running over to the, um, I don't know, to Western Europe and saying, right, this is the way that you get to me. You get to me through this guy called Jesus who died on a cross to pay for your sins and to open the way to heaven. Uh, right, hold on a minute. You guys wait there in Western Europe. Right, I'm going to the Middle East. Right, uh, you guys, um, what I want you to do is um, there's this guy called Muhammad who, who claims to have had a vision. He's written all down in the Quran. It tells you you've got to follow some pillars. And if you're a really, really good Muslim, uh, you, you'll, you'll, um, uh, you'll, you'll be able to find your way. I know I said to them lot, uh, it's through Jesus and what he does. But no, for you lot, it's what you do. Uh, oh, oh, you guys over there on that other part of the planet. Uh, yeah, you're Hindus and uh, you're trying to find enlightenment. And so really, finding me is all about enlightenment. And you need to go through these steps, do these certain things. Um, there's this thing called karma rocking up over there. Don't worry too much about it, but be careful you don't eat any meat in case it's your grandfather. Um, just, you know, 
you, right, okay, you lot, you, you lot are secularists over here. You don't believe that God actually exists. And, and do you know what? I don't really care if you don't believe whether I exist or whether you glorify me or whether you do the right thing or what you do to people. You know, I don't really care. You lot here, you lot here. Do you really think the God of the universe is going to be like that? Really? What kind of sicko would he be? No, not all, all religions are not the same. And God isn't just messing with us. He sent his one son into the world. Now, all religions and all belief systems should be, by law, equally protected that you're allowed to hold them. But just because they're equally protected doesn't mean they're equally valid. Okay? If I start a religion called the Banana Gang because I believe that all of us somehow need to pop out of the skin that we're in to really true to live true and thrive, and I get loads of uh, I get loads of subscribers to the Banana Gang, um, that doesn't mean that it's true. But I should be equally allowed to hold that, <laughs> okay? So if you want to sign up to the Banana Gang, come see me later. All right, we'll start our own little religion, or perhaps will be settled with the one that, that we've got from heaven called Jesus. Does that make sense? So number one, all truth claims are exclusive. Number two, all religions are not the same. They're just not. And Jesus stands out as utterly different. Number three, Jesus is exclusive. But it is open to all the Christian faith. Let me just catch up with where my notes have gone. Oh, all over the place. Oh, done. Here we go. Brilliant. Okay, so... Here you go. Now, it's not narrow-minded to seek the true answers. So if you've got, uh, if, if you've got um, a, a child who is ill, and you're like, what must I do to get this child fixed? You are much more sensible trying to find somebody who can properly fix the problem. So let me give you an example. Okay, uh, You've got a little baby, just been born, and it's jaundiced. And you go to the... You go to the doctor, uh, and the doctor says, Brilliant, I'm so glad you brought in this child. Jaundice, I can help you with that. All you've got to do is take jaundice baby, put him in that little glass tank thing called an incubator, and I'm going to shine a light on the little baby, and baby will get well. It's that easy. And you go, No, they're yellow. It's got to be more serious than that. Get the domestos. Get the, um, get the, I don't know, a scrubbing brush. Okay, I want you to go down and buy me some sort of adrenaline. We're going to inject some stuff into the baby. We're going to scrub the baby and make it. Surely the problem's bigger than that. It can't be. A bulb won't fix it. And the doctor comes along and says, listen, um, I don't want to sound exclusive or anything. But my way of fixing the problem A is easier for you, and B actually works. I don't care how passionately you want the answer to be something else, but you follow that other, you start injecting and scrubbing that downhill. You see, Jesus is exclusive because he works. It's not wrong to say that the other things don't work. So imagine that you've got... Uh, so, yeah, to, what am I saying? I'm saying cling to Jesus because he is the only cure. But he's a cure who's open to everybody. So I want you to imagine two country clubs. I know we don't use country clubs here. I'm guessing in, in this room, from people in speak, nobody here has ever been in a country Has anybody even been inside a country club? 
Oh, yes, we have in Spain. We got kicked out because we didn't have licenses to play on the golf course. Yeah, okay. So we went in and got kicked out. Yeah, fine. All right. Um, Country clubs, okay? So here's country club. One says, country club number one says, "Um, uh, we're going to admit you, but we're only going to admit you if you earn your membership. To get in, you've got to gain some superior wisdom, fulfill a long list of demands, uh, and achieve certain requirements, or you won't make it. And to be honest with you, if you're trying to apply here, plenty of you won't make it, you won't measure up, and just being dead straight, and when you don't measure up, we will close the door in your face. Okay? That's country club number one. Sounds a bit like certain religions. All religions. Okay? Country club number two says, anyone who wants to come in, anyone at all, can come in. There's only one requirement. You let somebody else pay for your membership. You let it be paid by somebody who has means, who has got the track record, who deserves to be here. Whatever your background is, whatever your past record is, whatever, you, uh, whatever you're like, it's not going to be based on your qualifications and your ability to pay, but on the free gift of the one who's going to do it for you. What does that sound like? That sounds like Jesus. That sounds like God's free gift. The only question is, the only requirement to come in is, will you be humble enough to receive it? And some of you are sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, well, if that is the case, why is it then that God doesn't just save everybody? Why doesn't he just save everybody? Why don't you say, Jesus covered it all? Okay, here's the simple answer. God is too loving to force anybody to be with him who doesn't want to be with him. He's not going to force people into heaven if they don't want to. And one of the things that we've assumed wrongly as we've talked about this today is that everybody wants to go to heaven. And they just don't. They don't. If it is real, everybody would like, no, they wouldn't. Because what is the central thing about what heaven is like? What is, who is the central person there? Jesus. It's not your great auntie Maud or a lost relative who you're pining to see. That's not the best thing about heaven. The greatest thing about heaven is that Jesus is right at the centre. And if people have spent most of their life running in the opposite direction to him, if they're running away from him now, why on earth would they want to be in heaven? Is it, uh, is it so unloving? Uh, wouldn't, it be lo- uh, sorry, wouldn't it be unloving for God to track everybody down and drag them kicking and stream- screaming towards Jesus into his presence? Screaming, that would be unloving, disrespectful. Now, ladies, let me talk to you about this. Maybe you've, um, maybe you've had this experience of a man who pursued you, who wanted to go on a date with you, who said they loved you, and you desperately wanted them not to be pursuing you. Some of you are thinking, yeah, I married that guy. But <laughs> Okay. Someone's sitting there going, yep, I'm sitting next to him right now and he won't leave me alone. (laughs) Okay. But you know that situation, you know. Um, And so what you do is you turn to him and you say, and you say what all women do. I I like you, but I like you as a... Yeah. 
Okay? And yet he continues to pursue you like some sort of stalker. I don't want to be in your presence. Bog off. I'm going to get a restraining order against you. And he keeps on pursuing you. And he says, I love you so much, I'm going to make you love me. You can't do that, can you? That's morally reprehensible and wrong. If he truly loved you, what would he do? Leave you alone. God is a gentleman who truly loves the souls of people. And if the declaration of their mouth and the declaration of their life and the declaration of of all their choices is that we would leave, uh, he would leave us alone to our own self as much as it pains him. In fact, in the book of Ezekiel, you see God crying out to a wayward nation, turn, turn, why would you die? The Lord has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. I mean, what more can he do? He sent us cards and flowers. He's done everything. He's given us creation that leaves uh, every person on planet Earth with evidence of his, of his might, his power, his grandeur and his existence. He's written conscience into us so we know morally right and wrong. There is evidence that somebody who's never ever heard the name of Jesus, who's way out in the backwaters, could look at all creation and see that God is great and right and true and splendid. And it looks inside their conscience and get a sense that they are wrong and have wronged. And they could cry out say oh god of the sky have mercy on me and the promise is standing in romans 2 verse 7 that if anybody would call out to god for mercy through the evidence of creation and conscience they would be saved but we don't do that do we he's given us creation he's given us conscience he's given us the bible we live in a country with a a church in virtually every single community and he's given us jesus who didn't just turn up and say whoa i'm here he lived the perfect life that we should have uh, should have lived and he went to a cruel cross for no other reason than it was the only way that anybody could be saved would jesus have gone to the cross and suffered like that if there was any other way And at the end of the day, if you push that away with your mouth, with your choices, with your life, he says, I will respect you. And so there is only really two possible destinations, according to the Bible. One is called heaven, which is into the presence of God. And one is called hell. Hell is simply the absence of God. There's all kinds of vivid and scary imagery in the Bible that pictures that but in essence what it is it's a place where there's the absence of God where there is no love there is no pleasure there is no progress there is no hope for the future there is just an increasing turning in on ourselves more and more and more and more and more just stone cold self-absorption ugly narcissism now he won't force you to believe in him But there are only actually two kinds of people. C.S. Lewis said this. The two kinds of people are those who say, thy will be done. I'm going to trust and rely on Jesus as my hope. Or those who say, my will be done. I'll do it my uh, way and let God and the world burn. Only two kinds of people. Which one are you? Today, the invite is Jesus standing saying, I've done everything I can to let you have a happy ending. I can do no more. I've done it all. I've stretched out my arms to block the way to hell. 
The only way you head to that destiny is by trampling over me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Put your hand in mine and I'll carry you there. You've got to decide it for yourself. So is Jesus really the only way to heaven? Yeah, he is. Let me pray before I take some questions. Lord, we just humbly want to thank you for the fact that not only do you put up with our silly objections, our proud declarations, but you even move towards us gently and bring us stuff in your word that shows us how loving you are, how much you dignify us, how wonderful Jesus is. And Lord, we think of friends and family members. I think of people who are dear to me who currently are saying, I don't need Jesus. Lord, would you have mercy upon them? Lord, I pray for all of us here. Lord, you know where each one of us are at in our spiritual journey. We know, you know which kind of people we are, whether we want you or whether we don't. Lord, please, would you be gracious to us and give us a happy ending through Jesus. For we ask in his name. Amen. I said I'd take questions. If I get questions, I might take them. Uh, two coming up. Go, Joe, do you want to go first for us, please? I was just wondering for the person who says they don't know. Mm-hmm. So you kind of know all the people who say they have some kind of exclusive. The person says, is there any humility in someone saying they don't know? Um, I, I really appreciate that. There's different ways to say I don't know. Um, and people can come, people can say I don't know with a sense of. I don't know, but if there is, I'd like to find. And people can say, I don't know, with a sense of, I don't know, which is giving me a pass for um, uh, celebrated ignorance. Because the Bible tells us that who God is, is absolutely plain in creation. Um, What God is like and what moral standards are and, and what we were made to live for is written into us in conscience. So, the Lord says that we're all without excuse. And if we want to find and want to see those things, we, we will. So if somebody comes along and if they're not at that point in their journey, I'm listening out for, um, I'm genuinely, I genuinely don't know. I'm really interested into, as to what their next response is when I begin to invite them into a process of finding out more. If you try to invite them into a process of finding out more and you get a lot of stubborn pushback, I put, begin to think, begin to push them on. Well, maybe is you just don't want to know, and that's convenient for you because by not knowing, it means you can carry on living any which way you jolly well please, and, and, and almost like an ostrich, put your head in the sand. So I think that if somebody comes along and says that to you, that's a brilliant place to start. But just be just be wise to how they, what's behind it, uh, and try to lead them on a journey. And also be honest with what, how they're invested in not knowing.
No, hopefully that's helpful. Anthony, you had your hand up. Yeah, I really, I really appreciate that. Um, so, I think I touched on it a little bit towards the end, just very slightly. And I think the biblical way of understanding it rely, relied on early chapters of Romans, particularly, that tells us, though, or not everybody has heard of who Jesus is. Um, it seems that in the Old Testament, although people hadn't heard of who Jesus was, they knew and had the offer of grace if they would cry out to the God of creation who their souls were testifying to that their that should they cry out say find a way to have mercy on me whether they knew his name whether they knew the specific mechanics of it those people could be saved but what the new testament also says is it says and guess what people don't do that they don't do it so if um, Native Americans 300 years ago, Chief Wobbly Bear walks out of his teepee in the morning and sees the grandeur of everything, goes, there must be some big, almighty, powerful, um, ordered, um, intent, powerful mind behind all of this. Um, and then he, he hears the echo of his conscience going, and I've not treated my fellow Native Americans with respect, and I have sought to manipulate, and I've disrespected and not honoured. And I cry out from the, from, you know, Chief Wobbly Bear cries out, God of the sky, have mercy on me. I think we've got fair New Testament warrant to say that that person, though they don't know the name of Jesus, are crying out for a saviour such as him. That don't happen. Instead, what they do is they build little idols and little totem poles and they worship the spirits of the rocks and the trees and they further establish their own way of making sense of life apart from that. So it seems that um, we're able to say that it is not unreasonable. So what's happening in the Muslim world at the moment, for example, is they have no way of engaging with the, the way of uh, the names of uh, the person of who Jesus is. And it seems like at the moment the Lord is doing this thing where in those kind of closed countries, there are people who are from a Muslim background, many of whom are saying, I had a, I had a dream about somebody who could save my soul. I think his name was Jesus. And then not long after, it seemed that I bumped into this person who was, always lived a little bit differently and I'd not quite known why. And it turns out that they belong to Jesus. And, and this person told me a little bit about who Jesus is and, and now I'm a Christian. The Lord's pattern always seems to be to lead people who've got questions in the direction of somebody who will lead them to Jesus. So is that fair? I think what it shows is that God has got a heart and knows who's going to call on his name and he makes provision for that
Have you listened to what I've just been talking about, dude? <laughs> Yeah, I, I really appreciate your honesty because I can see that you've got a heart to want to be a blessing to people around so that they would respond to Jesus. I suppose the way I deal with it, for what it's worth, might be helpful. Okay? So I, mean, I take funerals. Sometimes people who I know are believers, sometimes are people who I know definitely aren't believers. And sometimes they say, Is my loved one in heaven? And the way that I always respond is, If they wanted Jesus, he's never turned anybody away. And I think you've got. Um, You've, you've got a way in there, so you're able to talk to them about that and saying, well, the, the Bible tells us that anybody who wants, to, wants heaven where Jesus is can have it through him. If, they wanted to be, if your relative wanted to be with Jesus, that's wonderful. And if you want to be in heaven with Jesus, that is wonderful. Um, but if you want to be in heaven for your own selfish reasons, you need to ask whether um, that's actually the place where, the, where, where God is going to... Um, uh, where you actually want to go. Yeah? Does that make a little bit of sense? So, uh, that's the wonderful thing. Jesus is exclusive, but open to everybody. If people wanted heaven through him, they get it, which is wonderful. You know, that is such a good question. I really, really appreciate that. Um, I think the answer to that is that the Lord treats us with dignity in the days of our flesh and gives us the consequences of our choices. So I've got no idea whether or not your dad wanted Jesus to be his Lord and Saviour. I hope and pray that is the case. But I don't think we're in a situation where we can change people's choices once they've left. There's a verse in the Bible that says it is appointed once to die and then the judgment. So in you, we get our time here to say, to cut nail our colours to our masts. Do we want to plough our own furrow or do we want to stand under the gracious saving power of Jesus? So I've got no idea about the score with your dad. It's not for my, my job to judge people's soul. Um, that's way above my pay grade. But my pay grade is to say, choose Jesus now while you can. So I'm sorry if that's not more help to you, but um, yeah. Tommy? Yeah, what if, you, what, what if you haven't seemingly got the mental faculties by either an accident by immaturity, like you're one or two years old, uh, or by um, maybe you've got some, some, some sort of um, mental health issue or some sort of diagnostic la label. Oh, that's a brilliant question. Um, on questions like that, because ultimately under that is the big question, is God going to be fair? 
That's the big thing. Has he set up a system that disadvantages people? We're really, we've got real fairness muscles, haven't we? We're really acute. It's one of the first things that a kid learns when they're, they, you know, there may be only two or three, but they're, they're like, they'll tell you whether something's fair or not. So underline that question is, is there any way in, in, in which God is going to be um, lacking in fairness, unjust? Um, can I tell you that the place where we get our sense of fairness from is from him? And I always rely on that Bible verse, I think it's Genesis 18. The God of the whole earth will do right. Why do I land in this? I land very much uh, in the fact that if I sense, if I've got a sense of, 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 of fairness and justice, you can bet God has got a bigger one. So I don't think he's going to come up with a system that disadvantages people. Um, there are elements of our faith that are cognitive. We choose to follow Jesus. Yet at the same time, though there is the inner person, that our soul, that has a leaning towards him. So I've seen people who have got, I mean, some of the, the, the people that we know um, uh, who, who are adults with learning difficulties, they couldn't tell you for toffee much about Jesus. All they know is they love him. All they know is they love him. They wouldn't be able to explain the mechanics of the cross. They wouldn't be able to relate any of the stories. All they know is he's their hope. Um, what do you do with a, a two-year-old who's not at a point where they've been able to make any kind of... Let's go, even, let's go even further back. What do we do about the two children that Jane and I lost through miscarriage? What about them? I don't know, but I know the God of the whole earth will do right. And I can trust the God I do know for the things that I don't. Okay. Thank you for your question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Somebody's made a declaration of truth about it. Yeah, that's right. So uh, answers on the back of a postcard to Andy uh, at P.O. Box something or other, and he'll sort you out. Brilliant. Yeah, that is, that's true. Good point. Good point. Go ahead. That's brilliant. Um, I, I, I think the, the, the way is humble honesty. So, number one, humble. I'm no better than this person I'm speaking to. Um, and if they're a seeker of truth, then we've got an awful lot in common. Honesty. They're usually trying to convert me as much as I'm trying to convert them. So I'm saying, let's be dead honest about that. Why don't we compare and see which is most credible? And I found that people quite often welcome dialogue. If it's respectful dialogue, if it's, I'm better than you, I can see more than you. And I'm, number one, that's unchristian. And number two, um, you're you, you usually, you're just totally defeating your, your way about, uh, of going about things. You're shooting yourself in the foot. There's no, there's no good winning an argument if you've lost a person. So I think it's best to do these things through um, uh, one-to-one conversation. I love um, debates that are put there in the, in, in the interest of... Um, trying to better understand where people are coming from. Uh, yeah, so I, I think if you've got those two things of humility and honesty, then you, that, those go a long way. But ultimately, you've got to consider the claims of the individual 
truth claims? What are they? Do they carry weight? Do they match, cohere with reality? Is there any historical evidence for them? Um, do they work? Uh, has it got the ring of truth? Does it echo with our experience? That kind of thing. Okay. Brilliant. Well, listen, we've done quite more questions than our thoughts. Fellas, we're going to be chatting a little bit about this. I suppose, as a, as a pastor, I'm not just trying to fill your head with knowledge and arguments. I'm hoping your heart has been encouraged for those of you who are believers. And if you're still at a point where you're making up your mind, um, I want to tell you, you're super welcome here, and we want to help you with that. But I, I suppose you're not going to go away today confused with what we think here. <laughs> it's been pretty obvious. It's all about Jesus. Okay? Listen, let's uh, sing a song to finish with, which is, How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure.